ηθική δημοσιογραφία για την αντιμετώπιση της ρητορικής του μίσους. Ετικό νοβιναρστό προτισοβράζνεμου γόβορου. Ελποτέρε δελε παρόρε. Respect for Worten, Respect for Menschen gegen Hassreden. Hello and welcome to this, the seventh in the series, Respect Words, a series in which we look at the various aspects of hate speech from every angle. My name is Alan Bradish, and on today's show, later on, we will hear an interview that my colleague Doni did with Alan Farrell, TD, chair of the Doyle Joint Oireachtas Committee on Children and Youth Affairs, because in today's programme we will be discussing online hate speech and cyberbullying. And um, I'm joined in the studio by a good friend of Nero FM, Dil Vikramasinghe. Perfect. How's that? Okay. Well done, Al. <laughs> Thank you. It's a mouthful. It's all right. It's, it's OK. My own name can be, cause trouble as well, so... <laughs> Um, so, thank you for joining us. Delighted to be here. Not your first time, Tinder FM. We were talking earlier, and I mentioned to you the, what the topic of the, the program will be today. It's a huge issue at the moment, increasingly, increasingly, something that's very important. Mm. What has been your own experience of online hate speech and, and cyberbullying? I know it, it's been a particularly big thing for you personally. It's, it's so sad that I'm actually called in as a, as a sort of an expert in the area because unfortunately I have experienced quite a bit of it uh, from the very beginning since I uh, started working in media. Uh, before it was online, before we were on 16 social media platforms, you know, the days where the only way uh, someone from the public could get in touch with you was, of course, through text or through email. When I was presenting my show uh, previously on News Talk, we used to get a lot of uh, hate mail and I'd called um, the the guardie on speed dial at one stage. And at one stage, my producer actually even walked me to the car uh, every evening on a Saturday evening because they were all worried that something was going to happen to me on my way to the car um, after the show. And then, of course, the social media, um, that then intensified. And I think few times um, I know things came to to a point where, again, I got worri- very worried. And again, I had to call the guards. And this was in the run-up to the marriage referendum. And um, at that time, I was heavily pregnant. I was uh, 37 weeks pregnant. And, and at that stage, you know, Ireland, you know, there are many people who were very sure how they were going to vote and there's uh, people some some were on the yes side and some were on the no side but I thought there was quite a lot of people who were in the middle on the fence not sure how they were going to vote so at that stage you know my wife and I uh, she, she wasn't my wife at that time but we decided I was pregnant so we decided to kind of share a story of um, you know what does a same-sex couple uh, who want to get married look like uh, a same-sex couple who want to have children look like in the hope to maybe inform the kind of middle island the people who were not sure whether they were going to vote yes or no and majority of the messages we received on Twitter now that's where I suppose my main uh, social media platform that I would use was very very supportive but unfortunately uh, quite a number of the members of the no campaign uh, took it upon themselves to attack me mercilessly and what really disturbed me was you know never mind doing this to any human being but out of all people, a pregnant woman, a heavily pregnant woman. So, so this was, uh, yeah, 37 weeks because I, I was curating the At Island um, account the week, um, the, the week before the marriage referendum. And I finished up on the Friday night. 
And I think I must have, I was so impacted by the negativity that I experienced online that 24 hours after I surrendered the At Ireland account, I went into labor. And my baby arrived actually on, on Sunday, the, the, the 15th of May, uh, you know, f- six days before the referendum. And he was two weeks early because I think the hate speech that I experienced was I generally, I knew it was going to be hard, but I had no idea it was going to be that hard. So that was now two years ago. And thankfully now, I think there is a bit of a shift because just at the beginning of the year, I curated that Ireland account for the second time uh, since that time in 2015. And I was the first curator of 2018. And I was delighted how much Ireland has progressed because I think 99.9% of the interactions I had with the 60,000 followers that that account has was positive. So, yes, there were trolls, but not to the same extent that I experienced in 2015. Given your background in journalism, you would have received something similar or you you presumably would have received negative feedback in a non-online form what was the main difference do you think between between the two other than the 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 sheer mass was was there was there a a qualitative difference as opposed to a a quantitative difference i think the big difference between text messages and emails my producer actually took it upon uh, himself or herself depending on who who was my producer at the time not to show me (laughs) the that the the horrendously toxic ones um and and i i kept saying to them look you can show me it's okay because i need to be aware as a because i I knew when I entered, I suppose, public uh, life, you know, as a, and, and became a public figure, that there's a role that I'm playing here. I'm, I'm trying to break down barriers so the people who will come after me will find it a bit easier, you know, because I, I was, uh, in many respects, one of the first, you know, mainstream, you know, lesbian, uh, off-color uh, uh, woman working for na- um, a national radio station. And who was, you know, I was very open about my life and who I was and didn't make any bones of it. So I knew that we would experience some kind of um, uh, some kind of backlash. But I, I always wanted to keep my ear to the ground and know whether, you know, is it getting any better? <laughs> and and in fairness, it, it has over time. And, and I think it's because people like myself and there's other, other people uh, in, in Irish uh, media who are doing this valuable work because by sticking our neck out and, you know, p- p- putting our head up over the parapet, it's actually um, educating people. Because I think... What's underneath all this is just ignorance. You know, once people put, once you put a face to the issue, and people realize, you know, once they get get to know me, they get to know me as a parent, or as a, as a mother, or as a, as a journalist, or a mental health service provider, or a podcaster. Now, people realize actually, Dill, I have a, maybe something in common with Dill, and then that kind of brings down the level of trolls. You know, but it, it still, it still worries me that. Um, the trolls are still very much there and they have no idea. Like, as I said, I might have a thicker skin uh, because I'm used to it now. It's over over a decade now I'm in uh, Irish media. But there's a lot of people out there who, who are not uh, public figures, who are not used to this level of uh, negative um, attention and who, whose mental health are fragile and can be affected. I have my... A very good therapist that I see ever so often. I have great coping mechanisms to to deal with uh, uh, the, the 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 negativity that comes at me, and I know I'm more than this. You know, I don't need validation from social media. Uh, I know as as a person, I'm enough. I don't need someone to tell me, "Dill, you're wonderful." I don't need to know hear that because I know for myself, I'm I'm happy with who I, who I am. But there are a lot of people, especially young people, who are maybe 14, 15, 16, who are spending hours on social media, who have 
have no idea who they are, who have who are constantly looking for validation, who are looking for acceptance from their peers, and and th- it's those people that I'll be very worried about because if someone can can be can attack me, uh, surely they can also attack uh, a 15 year old somewhere in Kulak, you know, who's in their bedroom right now on social media. Now you have. Um Having left News Talk, you have your own uh, podcast, as you, as you mentioned, Sparking Change. Is this something you've you've dealt with or felt the need to deal with in the podcast, or is it something you're going to deal with in a in a future episode? Uh, as far we haven't we haven't done it, but sure, it's something definitely we need to. I think everybody needs to do it, whether it's the conventional media, whether it's community radio, whether it's uh, you know online digital uh, journalists like ourselves. It has to. I feel it's it has to be a movement from the ground up because at the moment there is conversations about legislation being uh, being created to to I suppose uh, hold people accountable maybe stop the the level of uh, hatred uh, hate hate speech and trolling that there is but I genuinely feel the only way real change real lasting change will happen is when people will rise up. So ju- just to mention, there's a great article today by my ex-colleague, um, Sarah Carey, who also used to work with Newstock, uh, um, as I did. And she wrote an excellent piece. Um, and it's funny because I don't always agree with what Sarah has to say, but I have to say I agree wholeheartedly with what she said today. Um, uh, and I think uh, the article is in The Times and it's, uh, in, it's called um, Friends Who Stay Quiet Hurt More Than Trolls. Is and that something you found yourself? Well, this is. I think this is really interesting because um, absolutely not everyone uh, that who are my friends would uh, would use social media as much as we do, as much as I do, and because it's part of my job. And what uh, Sarah's um, point was that the like you know cyberbullying is exactly like the type of bullying you'd see in a playground. And of course, you know if you're being bullied, and I, I had experience of being bullied in school, I, I remember the only thing I could do was to go and complain to either my parents or complain to my teacher or the principal. Uh, but I always felt that now what I feel, which is way more powerful, if it's a, if another kid sees another kid being bullied, they stand up for that kid. And next thing you know, another kid stands up. And then next thing you know, the bully realizes that he or she is a minority. And it, there's no way that they can actually fight the whole school if every kid t- takes it upon themselves to stand up uh, against uh, against the bully. And the same goes with cyberbullying. So what I ha- what I do, uh, and this is a tactic that I I, I think I adopted quite a number of years ago is when a troll attacks me I actually don't engage especially the ones that are, that are that are that are anonymous I actually let my followers engage directly with them because it's way more powerful to see the yes there's so there's one negative tweet and then suddenly you get 100 <laughs> tweets who will kind of attack this this person who who decided to to, to spew their negativity and I think that's way more powerful because then you can see the positive uh, people power in action and I think that's what we need to do when we see any kind of cyberbullying um, whether it's in a comment section in the journal or wherever it, it is say something don't just you know s- uh, slap your head and say oh my god that's so horrendous how can t- somebody say that actually why don't you go and write a comment yourself because then you can try and balance out the negative comments with the positive comments mm. do you think there's a there's a fear though in in social media that y- you mentioned how when everyone stands up to the bully suddenly the, the bully is is outnumbered that the fear is of the opposite happening that someone will stand up and suddenly they will be mobbed by 
an endless number uh, an endless number of trolls and this is even this can be exacerbated when when someone is a public person because public people tend to attract a lot of trolls the trolls tend to want to line up and take pot shots so do you do you think that that's the, that is a problem for for those friends of the person being attacked that does a that does a fear of uh, of being victimized themselves of becoming a target yeah well but this is the thing the, 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 at the end of the day how many trolls are there you know, not as many as uh, the rest of us. So it's realizing that uh, the strength in numbers, and and ultimately, it's all about standing up for what is right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like, I I'm a firm believer about you know karma and and being mindful of you know the power of words. You know, in introduction you actually had il potere delle parole, which is the Italian for um, the power of words. Peop- I work in mental health. I'm a provider of mental health services, and we have people coming into our services every day because their mental health has been impacted negatively by something somebody said. You know, so if you want to create a kinder uh, and more compassionate society, we need to realize that. You can actually drive someone, you know, to to mental ill health mm. by what you say, and 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 just and I, and I really have to question why trolls find take it upon themselves to even do this. You know, obviously something has happened to them. There must be some. This is an outlet for them to get get um, some sort of satisfaction that they can't get anywhere anywhere else in their life. I would really ask anyone who's listening to this who might be a troll themselves. You know, they think about maybe uh, looking at that part of you. What what is it that drives you to go on on social media and try and make another individual's life miserable? You know, that's not healthy. Surely you don't feel good about yourself uh, when you look at yourself. And an interesting thing is the trolls, you know, these are the actual people, you know, with families and children and productive members of society. And I think it's really strange that they, they can compartmentalize, you know, this, this kind of really dark part of them that, um, that, that is a troll. And, and, and I think it's just unhealthy. It's just, mm. I think people really need to ask themselves, what, what is it that drives them to be so mean to another human being? You mentioned the mental health aspect. And as busy as you are, um, you still have time for uh, your mental health project, Insight Matters. Mm. Um, does cyberbullying and online hate speech, does that factor into a lot? Have you seen that be a large part of, of, of the people you you help and the people you deal with? Uh, Inside Matters um, has 50 therapists and we support over 400 clients a week. So it's it's a, it's a, it's a project that Amory and I set up seven years ago and we still every day are quite surprised just how well and how uh, just how busy we are as a city centre mental health support service that doesn't get any funding, can I just say quite very quickly. Um, just to give you an example, the Me Too campaign. That was... Um, that was something that's it's still going on, but really, but two three months ago it was really everywhere. You couldn't open newspaper, or turn on the telly or the radio without hearing something, and the amount of people that came into our services who mentioned the Me Too campaign, how it was triggering them, or it was bringing up flashbacks of their own experience of harassment or bullying in the workplace, uh, that that shows us that you know no no man is an island. You know whatever happens, and and you know we just have to look around. Everybody's head is in a screen, so we we all living parallel lives. We got a life you know where we're in our bodies here, like I'm talking to you, and then the other life which is on social media and and online, and those two are connected. So we can see, and like we actually um, launched a support group just last week, if you don't mind me mentioning, to help people who have been affected by the Me Too campaign, and it's 
pr- primarily aimed at people who work in the media and the theatre industry because they would be particularly vulnerable to harassment and bullying in the workplace because there are no HR policies. And um, so it does impact on a person's mental health. Words have power and it's just, I, I just want to drive that across. So anyone listening to this who takes uh, pleasure at, uh, you know, be attacking someone negatively online, beware that this person, you could actually, you know, hurt them from a mental health point of view. And it could be the, the straw that could break the camel's back. Do you want to have that on your conscience? I don't think so. Or for some people, maybe they wouldn't mind having that on their conscience. It, it's hard to imagine somebody having that attitude, but I think you have to accept that there might be some people out there. I like to think, Alan, that would be a, the tiniest minority, you know, and uh, I, re- I re- that's the kind of world I, I, I like to live in. I, I know that there is quite a lot of uh, evil in this world as well as as well as good but i like to think that that is a very small minority and and also you know we can't just say oh it's that person's fault because they're this way something has happened to them in their environment or in the way you know the society that we created that has made this person uh, behave this way you know so we all have a collective responsibility I, i'm never uh, of the mindset of you know put that person in jail and throw away the key you know because you you can't just blame that one person you know the, the person the, the people who raised that person, that person, the, 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 you know, it takes a village to raise a child. At the end, we, you know, whoever was around that person, that um, that influenced this person to be this way today, surely they need to look at themselves as well. Now, um, I mentioned the the interview that um, my colleague Donny did with Alan Farrell, who's the chair of the Joint Directors Committee on Children and Youth Affairs, and they have been discussing in the latter part of last year, and there's a report due out on this very topic. To what extent do you think the government can do anything through legislation? I'm sceptical about um, what legislation can do, because... You know, even when it comes to harassment and bullying in the workplace, there is robust legislation that says very clearly you can't behave this way in in a person's workplace. And yet people have been harassed, bullied and discriminated against based on the nine grounds of equality all the time. Um, You know, women who are pregnant who go to their employer to tell tell them that they're they're pregnant get, you know, uh, chucked out of their job. It happens, unfortunately, too only too often. And it's surprising that it's still happening in 2017. So that's my my worry in, in for us to kind of wait for legislation and the government to act on this. First of all, by the time the legislation comes out, it'll probably be obsolete because social media, you know, evolves so quickly. So it probably might not be relevant anymore. But I'm 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 much more hopeful about. The, what, what, what I mentioned earlier about the people power, about people actually rising up in our online world and saying enough is enough. This is not how you should speak to anybody, irrespective of who the celebrity or who, whoever the person is. Um, and I think by doing that consistently over and over and over again, each time uh, 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 I suppose an incident occurs, then surely the trolls are going to get the message and, and they'll, they'll, they'll maybe decide to take up crocheting instead and, and come off online altogether. I, w- I would love that to happen, but I know that's, that's, uh, that's not going to happen. But still, I just think every time someone rises up, that's something people will remember. People will think, oh, there's, there's something that just happened. Someone who completely had no relationship with the person who was being attacked, well, they stood up for them. Because you know, I think when it comes to you know, things like racism or homophobia or any kind of um, you know, 
discrimination. The the person at the very center of it, the, the victim, often just freezes. They can't do anything. They they they. It's it's a it's a trauma. It's the kind of trauma that you would talk about uh, in a in a in a in a mental health practice. And it's the kind of trauma that you carry for twenty thirty years because they're psychological scars that you carry with you. But if someone actually s- steps in and tries to defend you, the healing process begins immediately. Because that's that's the that's the beauty of it. Of course, you can have something negative happen, but the fact that a complete stranger comes to your side to protect you and defend you, then something positive imme- immediately happens. I, I the, the, I'm reminded of this incident of this woman I knew in Cork. She was uh, she was of a she was I think of a Nigerian background. She was walking down a street, minding her own business, and suddenly a car drove past her and there was a bunch of people in it who then shot at her with her r- rubber bullets right now she didn't know they were rubber bullets still uh, she she collapsed on the floor thought, thinking that she had been shot and and obviously shocked and alarmed that that complete strangers could do this to her and immediately there was, there was a couple that had come down from dublin for the day to cork s- witnessed this went to her side you know one went off to get some uh, tea and a cake for her to help her kind of recover. So the other one went off to call the guards. They took her to the guard station. The following day, they rang her to make sure she was all right. And for her, you know, she could have that, that could have been a horrendous experience. You know, thankfully, because the, those two bystanders came to a, to a rescue, she now you know, she's written written about this. She's I think wrote, wrote poetry about this because for her it shows. That the, the power of being part of the human family. Negative things happen, but also that can actually open the 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 path to positive things happening as well. Do you think that there is anything that individuals listening to you right now can do to help lessen that? Because as, as you've said, that uh, what government can do through legislation is fairly limited, and probably even what the large social media companies can do is limited, although perhaps they may have a, a bigger role to play, although it's it's difficult to see if any change will come necessarily because there hasn't been very much to date. What would you suggest to an individual? What would be the, what would be the single one thing they could do that would make the most impact, do you think? Don't be quiet. Don't just sit back and think this is nothing to do with me or or uh, or wa- watch it with with interest to see what's going to happen next, you know. So it becomes like almost a form of entertainment because I keep thinking it's like the, you know, in the Roman times, you know, there'd be people in the in the Colosseum, you know, being torn apart by by tigers and whatnot. And and this is our version of it, you know. I often think also talent competitions, you know. Uh, TV talent competition can be also a version of that as well. But I think instead of it being entertainment, you know, your civic duty is to go um, to the to the side or to the risk to the rescue of someone who is being attacked. And I think you know, like my, my podcast is called Spark and Change. You know, I'm I'm all about individuals taking it upon themselves instead of you know using their energy towards giving out about the government or oh, surely they should be doing this they should bring in legislation about hate speech and uh, the social media companies you know that's a lot of energy that's a lot of time of you know being an armchair general uh, but why not um, spark change yourself by the next time you're on social media whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever it is or, or the comment section of some some magazine if you see something toxic being said and someone being attacked why not um 
come in yourself into the conversation and say, look, I have nothing to do with this. I just I'm seeing this co- this conversation. I'm seeing this comment that you made. And I think it's unacceptable for you to say something like that because it's, you know, r- remember your words have power and what you what 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 you potentially said here could actually uh, affect the mental health of this individual. And I think the, the people power is is much more interesting to me than waiting for the government to pass legislation that could potentially be obsolete by the time it comes out. Okay, just as one final point, you mentioned your podcast. Um, where can people access it? Anywhere. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Tetcher, where, wherever you get your podcast from. It's out every Monday morning uh, from at, at nine o'clock and there's 14 episodes at the moment. And if people are wondering what it's about, it's very much uh, in keeping with my work that I spent the last decade working on News Talk. Um, it's all about highlighting social justice and mental health stories and, and speaking to the people who are affected by the issues as opposed to uh, the so-called experts or talking heads. Because I'm always very interested about in regular folk who just see something that needs uh, you know needs attention and then take it upon themselves to change because I think um, you know be, why not be the change that you want to see in the world Dil Vikramasinghe thank you very much for talking to us thanks Alan okay now we're just going to finish off with a little bit of uh, the interview which I spoke to you earlier about this is uh, Donny Tarrant speaking to Alan Farrell TD chair of the joint uh, the Dáil joined the Rochdus Committee on Children and Youth Affairs and Alan starts off by uh, discussing the issue of libel and defamation. Quite right. Um, and unfortunately, I've been subject to it myself over the years um, um, in, in public life where, where people will, will put up an anonymous comment, um, often um, defamatory. Now, as a, pop, as a politician, obviously, I've, I've relatively thick-skinned only, but one of the, the issues, I suppose, is the fact that there's anonymity involved. Um, and often, like quite frankly, I'm human like everybody else, and some comments can be very hurtful, um, particularly if they're unfounded uh, or completely frivolous. Now, when you apply the same logic to a child or to a young teenager, um, or worse, you apply you know, photographs of individuals in various states of undress which occurs unfortunately um, that information is there forever and yeah, I and I think, did we not, Alan, was it not last year or the year before, but it, definitely in, in very recent times, did we not have a situation, I think, down in, was it Blarney in Cork, where certain young girls in school, uh, photographs were put up of them in various stages of undress, but it actually uh, transpired that... It, there were photoshops in so far as they were using the head of the girl, all right, but the body wasn't. But to look at it quickly, you wouldn't know that it was a doctored photo. Well, absolutely. And, and I mean, those type of events can be completely devastating. We have seen um, young people commit suicide over over such instances. So you can, you can imagine how profoundly um, impactful in, incidences like that can be on young people. I mean, in terms of peer pressure, you know, I, I think back to my school days, um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm actually quite happy in the sense that, you know, mobile phones and cameras and things like that were not as prevalent as they are today. Um, young people tend to live their lives online these days. Um, you know, and if they're not looking at their phone, they're talking about looking at their phone. Um, in, in a lot of cases, I, you know, I've been on boards of management of secondary schools for almost a decade. And, you know, it is an ongoing issue. Um, in terms of Vanguard Shikon and their role in it, I mean, they obviously have officers. The Victim Service Office, for, for instance, was established in 2015. 
um, along with the, the, the Garda National Protective Services Bureau, uh, who you rightly point out are on Harcourt Street or Harcourt Square. And I suppose their main thrust would be, you know, online child ex- exploitation eradication, um, the implementation of, of elements of the Children First Act, which of course was subject to a referendum, um, also in things like sexual sexual offenders management, intelligence units, and then liaising with the international crime prevention bodies like Interpol, Europol, um, the FBI, among others, where there's a cross-jurisdictional issue or where uh, uh, imagery uh, is being exchanged online um, in places like the dark net and, and online on, on conventional websites um, uh, in terms of trying to eradicate that. But it's also about education and, and one of the thrusts of the committee would be determining um, through our, our contacts with educators as to how it is that we can um, inform or educate um, our younger people to be safe online. That was Alan Farrell, TD, Chair of the Dáil Joint Oireachtas Committee on Children and Youth Affairs, talking uh, to Donny Tarrant uh, late last year. That's all from our programme, Respect Words, for this week. Please do tune in again next week at the same time. My thanks to our guest this week, Dil Vikramasnia. Um, that's about all. We'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Respect. Sevome. Respeto. Spostuimo. Respect words. Ithiki dimosiografia ya tin adimetopisi tis ritorikis tumisus. Etichno novinarstvo proti sovrajnemu govoru. Il potere delle parole. Respect for Worten. Respect for Menschen gegen Hassreden. Atistalatangia solum. Supported by the Rights, Equality and Citizenship Programme of the European Union.